This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com Teams. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-priced Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-priced Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD and sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with just a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. It's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. This is Chris Liss of Rotowire, and I am talking to Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports, East Coast Offense Podcast. And I got a few things for you. I actually took notes for the first time ever. The first one for you is going to be, uh, and we talked about this on XM a little bit, you went to Game 7 of the Thunder Warriors. Why don't you just talk about, A, how much you paid for those tickets, and I think people need to know, where you got the money to pay for the tickets, because people do know from listening to this podcast that you lost quite a bit of money during football season and how the experience was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I was dejected when they were down 3-1, to one, obviously losing back-to-back in blowout fashion. Uh, I said at the time, I will go if there's a Game 7. I am a man of my word, and I, I came through. I spent far too much money. Uh, me and a buddy went uh, $2,000, so it was 1000 bucks uh, a seat. Pretty good seats, row 13, behind the basket. Um, felt like if we're going to do it, might as well not you know, sit in the rafters. And, uh, yeah, I was a little bit um, worried when they were halfway through the second quarter and they had total, I believe, 29 points. So I was like, man, not only am I going to witness this in person, but I spent a lot of money to do so. And um, to be honest, as far as financially, I had, I had hedged uh, emotionally on the, uh, the Thunder when they were down three to, uh, a couple times throughout. So it wasn't the greatest financial um, outcome. Right, you would have won like 1000 bucks, right? So you not only paid 2000 then you had another 1000 that you lost betting, that you would have won betting had the Thunder won, right? Yeah, well, I only paid for one of the tickets, but yeah, yeah, yes, correct. I, I, yes, financially that was not the greatest outcome, but I'm far, far happier with with how it how it turned out, and it was pretty sick to see Curry make those rainbow threes in person, and the crowd was just going crazy, and the confetti falling afterward, you know, winning the 
the conference finals. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to be at. And it's almost like I felt relief and like it was over. And then suddenly tonight I got to get back into game mode and they face a really, really dangerous Cavs team. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's either, okay, the pressure's off because they're in the finals. They had the heroic return and they're going to just be loose and play great. Or the opposite. They spent themselves emotionally getting through that series, and now they've got a seriously game opponent coming on who's – they're hungry. They haven't even done anything. Nobody's given the Cavs credit for anything. There was no real drama. It was 2-2 briefly in that Toronto series, but nobody really had much doubt. And no. so, you know, they're going to be hungry. They're like, bring on a real team. Like, we want to test ourselves. And you wonder, like, whether Steve Kerr and the Warriors are going to be up for that. Yeah, I mean, I've heard both ways. It's like, well, the Warriors are much more battle-tested because they had to face tougher opponents. And that may be, I mean, that is true, but also the flip side is the Cavs had played far fewer minutes. They didn't play physical con- contests like the Warriors or, or much more banged up and probably tired. I mean, Iguodala's not used to play. He played the most minutes on the court or for the Warriors last game, and he's used to playing 23 minutes off the bench, and now they're going to ask him to guard LeBron James. I mean, and the Cavs finished a day earlier as well, so they will have plenty of off days during these finals is crazy they have uh, game one is tonight and then game two is sunday and there's no even traveling so there will be some rest available there but absolutely you could see it the other way in which the Cavs are well rested and, and ready for some competition finally like if you're a betting man you're definitely taking the Cavs at two to one yeah because you can get even a little bit more than that that's where the money flew in right away when it was i think the warriors open at minus 280 and exactly just because Anything could happen in this series. I, I do think the Warriors are rightfully favorites. I mean, they won 73 games. But, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to bet, why, why not get the 2-1? to one? Because the Cavs absolutely have a good chance here. And you know this is so huge for LeBron because LeBron, in my opinion, is the greatest player in basketball history. But that's, I'm in the minority with that. Most people would say Jordan or they'd say Bill Russell or whatever because LeBron's only won two titles. And slaying the 73-win giant – in terms of LeBron's career standing, would be huge. He's been in the finals every year, but beating the 73-win Warriors would be a very important notch on his resume. If he doesn't win this... Two know, and he, five. What's he's that? Two and five. He's two and five. He's two and final. five. I mean, most of it was like he was playing the peak Spurs with Duncan, Ginobili, yep. Parker in their peak with a bunch of scrubs around him. Last year, he showed up against the Warriors, who turned out to be one of the greatest teams ever. And... Uh, didn't have anybody healthy on his team. I mean, it's not really his fault. <laughs> These no, no. And that first Cavs team he drew to the, you know, he took to the finals was a was a joke way back in the day. I right. mean, that's he had no business even being there. So I mean, obviously it helps playing in the Eastern Conference, but really it's not like he's choked in the finals. I mean, last year was silly. I think he averaged twenty eight, thirteen, and nine and a half. Right, right, right. And it was right. him against the whole team. So, but he's going to be crazy mode. I mean, not, he's not, everyone's motivated, but this is like a really big deal, right? It's like him with the fully loaded team. And, a and the whole Cleveland, the whole Cleveland thing, you know, bringing one back to right. The it's just scout. huge. It's just huge. It's just, I mean, he's going to go nuts. I would definitely bet on the Cavs. I actually think the Cavs are going to win. But yeah, you said that even before last series. I, but speaking of rooting against my financial interest, I'm doing it yet again because we made a bet years ago. Uh, LeBron, I have over three and a half titles, and you have under. So once again, I'm rooting against my financial interest here. Or you could look at it as hedging against your emotional interest. But our bet is small. You know, when we made that bet. It was 10 years ago or whatever. I mean, it's 100 bucks, right? It's not, it's yeah. not that much. It's not really going to move the needle for you after you've lost so much money over the last six months. Yeah, that's really a very small dent in, yeah. my, in, my, in my debt. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to add just the tiniest amount. 
All right, that's really it. I, I was in Mexico this last week, which was amazing. It was just, you know, so basically it's, it's Heather's mom's 70th birthday, and they're going to Cabo for this thing, and Janie, her mom, is paying for the whole villa, I guess. And Heather told me about it a long time ago, like eight months ago. Like, oh, we're renting this. you got to do it so far in advance. I'm like, I don't know. That's like magazine time. I don't know what my work situation is going to be. I can't just take Monday and Tuesday. It's Memorial Day, but usually during Memorial Day, I'm working on the magazine. But I've basically handed most of it off to Thornbear. I still write a ton for it, but I don't do all the heavy lifting on the edits. So I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's not, you know, it's one thing not to be being the editor in chief of the magazine anymore. It's another thing to be like, okay, while you guys are doing this, I'm going to be in Mexico. Um, right. So I was sort of on the fence of whether I should go. So they booked this stuff, and it's hard to get like mileage tickets, and the tickets are really expensive if you pay for them. But then at some point, I just convinced myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a ton of writing for it. I'm, I'm just going to go. It's fine. It's her 70th birthday. And so I – whatever. We didn't get all the details. But I got a mileage ticket. I transferred miles from this to that. It worked out perfect. It cost me like 180 bucks round trip. But I didn't expect much, right? It's like this family thing. We did one for her dad's in Palm Springs. It was kind of crappy. and Palm, It was kind of this cheesy house, whatever. The kids had a good time. I show up there and I go by myself because Heather had to go in this previous car. I wait for her sister and her sister's husband who's a cool cool dude and their kids. And I end up taking this uh, rental car that we rented to the place. And we show up and I'm like, this thing is a friggin' mansion. This is like a marble interior, gigantic 5,500 square foot mansion with a really nice pool table, multiple TVs that get like everything. You go out to the deck, there's a, a swimming pool and then a water slide going down to a smaller pool. And then it's overlooking the ocean. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was a nice, it was a ridiculously nice house. And I was and like, it's, well, even, it's even better when you didn't have high expectations. I had terrible. Expect- I thought it's going to be like a little cheesy. It wasn't cheesy at all. Um, and you know, it was already stocked with margaritas. I was drinking all the time. There's also a beach club. You walk down, I don't know, a couple blocks worth, uh, down this, down this little road. And there's a fully complete beach club with, you know, pools, multiple pools and hot tubs and bars and restaurants and like a gym, not that I would ever go there. And, and this beautiful beach, although you couldn't swim because it's very rocky, um, but you could go into like your waist. And it was just amazing. I was sitting there and I got a pina colada. I was talking to Jeff about this. You know, it's, you're not supposed to get a pina colada in Mexico. First of all, a real man doesn't get a pina colada, right? I mean, right. I just was in the mood for one and I didn't care. And I asked the dude, he's like, oh yeah, we make really good ones. It was like coconut, pineapple. It was like drinking a milkshake with lots of rum in it. And I was getting multiple of those. And I have to say, it was truly relaxing. And then when you have the kids can all play together, so you don't have to be watching them every second either. Nice. Sounds like a good time. And you yeah. forgot about game six. I totally, I, you know, I, I just forgot about it. Flat forgot. I was off Twitter for, I gave myself a 24 hour hiatus from any internet and uh, Jake Heather's brother was checking like his phone. He's like, "Oh, the Warriors won Game Six. I'm like, "Oh shit, Game Six! Totally space." I, I I went and rewatched Clay Thompson's 11 threes. I you know I went to like some someone had a GIF of that posted, and I was like, "Wow, they were hard threes. A lot of them. They were like turnarounds from like 26 feet." He took two dribbles total on him. And they were such fast release. It was awesome. I actually like his shot better than uh, Curry's. Curry just seems so lucky. I mean, I know it's not, but it's just – Curry just, like, flips it up there. But, like, Clay has, like, a beautiful shot. You know, Clay's form is right there on yeah. par with Ray Allen's. It was among yeah. the best I've ever seen, it's no form-wise, for sure. So nice to watch. Um, anyway, Mexico was nice, man. It was really uh, it was really chill. Um, but the weather was nice, man. I'm sitting here in 104-degree in, in heat right now. It's, it's brutal. Ah, yeah, it's, uh, weather's nice in L.A. right now. The, the Mexico, it was hot in Mexico. It was still a little bit hot, but it was – 
it was good. I got pretty burnt. You know, it's, it's just impossible to have the amount of pigment that I do, which is not much, and uh, be out in the sun all day and not get right. fried. It doesn't matter what you do. I was wearing a hat a lot. This goofy ass hat I had to wear. Um, <laughs> I can't picture you in a hat. It was like a cowboy hat. I don't have like a real oh, sun I hat. I really can't picture you yeah, in a cowboy, like a cowboy hat. Cowboy hat, you know, and it looked ridiculous, but, you know, you don't really care. Okay, I got to talk about something else. I, I'll just run this by you. I, I went off on, for a long time on XM and on Twitter. You may have seen it. But do you know what Fast Track is in the Bay Area? Have you ever driven on Fast Track? Do you know what that of course, means? Of course. I go to a, a lot of Giants games. It's, okay. it's a no-brainer. Right. So it's like some pay lane, right, and pay tolls. And so I've never had my car, especially this car. I've driven up to San Francisco before, but I've never had it this version, this particular car up there. In the mail, I get a $1 charge for not paying a toll on Fast Track. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't even do Like, of course, it's not me. So I look at the picture, and it's reading the F in the license plate in the picture as an E, which is in my license plate. And so that's just annoying, right? They're like, it's due by then. You must pay, whatever. It's like, dude, I'm minding my own business. Like, what the hell? So you go online. You try to, like, email them. They're like, we'll get a response in five days. In five days, I don't get a response. I finally call. There's a million menus I can't get through. If you ever have a problem, go to Get Human. That's, like, the best solution. It'll, it'll actually tell you press one, two, five, zero, or whatever, after each prompt, and you'll get through. Waited on hold, got someone on, and I was like, look, you know, you got to get this off my bill. It's ridiculous. She'll go, all right, I'll take it off your bill, but, sir, if that person drives again with that same plate, you're going to get another one, and you're going to have to call back. And I'm like, fuck that, man. I'm not calling back. Like, just get me out of your system. Like, it's not my car. You're already wasting my time. You're just some corporation. It's the Xerox Corporation, by the way, who contracts with the city to go steal money from private citizens like myself. And then I've, it's either up to me. A lot of people just pay the dollar rather than deal with it. But no way am I paying that dollar. So she hangs up on me because I cursed in my uh, rage at the situation. And then she was like, dismiss, like defending them. And she was like, sure, she was like, oh, what do you want us to do? You know, what you want us to, you know, the system's just going to pick it up. I'm like, I want you to fix your system. It's not my problem. It's not my fault that your system sucks, that you get these false positives and make people who are minding their own business have to do something. Or if they ignore it, collections comes after them. That's not my, don't say your system. What do you want us to do? Do whatever you need to do. I don't give a shit about your stupid internal dumbass programming that you cut costs on. So everything's automated. You don't actually have a human look at it and say, Oh, wait a second. That's not possible. This guy doesn't live here. Yeah, no, I understand wanting to right or wrong, but there's probably very few things in this world that I hate worse than talking on the phone with people that don't even understand what you're telling them back. And I, I can't handle that. I, I would have happily paid the dollar, but that no, don't that do it. See, no. you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. They do I don't know this shit. If you changed they, your mind. I don't know if you changed. No, so I called I, back and I got okay. a dude and this dude was even worse than the woman. He told me this is this, this fucking guy told me he told me. I was really pissed. I was like, dude, you are a, you are freaking stealing from me. You are, you are making me use my time or pay my money to address something that has nothing to do with me. I wasn't even there. You, imagine if I just send you a bill for fucking nothing. You're not even the right guy. And I'm like, you owe this. And if you don't deal with this, I'm going to ratchet up the charges and have penalties and stuff. And then if you ignore that, I'm going to send collections after you. Maybe go after your credit. Do you realize that? Like that is just fucked up that they have the power to do that. The Xerox Corporation, which people should just never do business with until they fix their shit. So this guy, I say, you know, I say same thing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I want this off my thing, and I want to be out of your system. I don't want to get have to deal with this again, and, and I want to talk to a supervisor right now. And he's like, dude, it's just a dollar, man. There's people starving. 
What? Dude, if I punch you in the face, I say, I just a punch in the face. There's people getting killed. Like, you know, I stole $20 from your wallet. Dude, there's people starving. I just stole 20 from your wallet. Let it go. No, you're stealing from me. It's my dollar. You are just some fucking idiot corporation that is partnered with the government to have the authority to do this. That I will draw the line at a cent. You cannot steal any money from me. And we need to draw the line because what happens next time when it's $10, $15, and it's 10 minutes on hold, 20 minutes on hold? You've you got to cut this off you know, from the beginning. You've you got to kill this before it grows. And people like you, Dalton, when you get these things, you've got to fucking say no. You've got to make it so annoying for everybody involved with dealing with you that they just go another tack, that, that it's just not worth it to send out these automated things that make all these errors. Yeah, I feel like you might be able to relate this into politics pretty uh, easily here with this injustice. But um, I... I, I will counter and say that that, is, that has never happened to me, and I frequent the Bay Bridge uh, quite um, you know, often, and there can be horrible, horrible traffic, and you just fly right through like you're in a carpool lane, and it just automatically um, charges. As you see, there's no person doing it. It's a machine. And I always thought you know, back in the day that you'd have to spend more to do it, but absolutely not. You just go purchase – you just go – pick up the machine at a Costco or whatever. And just as long as you have like $20 in your account, it just takes away the same amount as it would the person waiting in line an hour. So there's no extra fees unless you're Chris Liss, apparently. Right. I'm not, I wasn't even there. I didn't even enjoy the benefit of it. Right. Right. Um, right, right. But you know, it's funny because I, okay. So that's like one thing. Here's a kind of related rant, but I don't like that. We're getting these like two tiers of citizens, like the people that can afford the fast lane and the people who are stuck in traffic. And the, the other thing they have, and well, I did say there's nothing to afford. What do you mean? There's no extra cost. I mean, there's, there's, it's, you just pick up the machine and you just have to have money in your account. If there's no, there's no added cost. Oh, it's, it's just a way of like prepaying or something like they yes, make... To, make to make the system work quicker. If everyone had it, everyone oh, would be flying so, through. But do you have to pay for the machine? No, that's what I'm saying. You don't. It's you just all free. Have- okay. So this is maybe different. But in LA, they have some lanes where you got to prepay and stuff, oh, and it's no, more expensive. Different. Yes, yes. Okay. You can go in a, in a basically a carpool lane if you spend money. Yes, that's right. totally so different. You have two classes of citizens, the, the schmoes that have to pay to sit, sit in traffic and the rich people who get two whole lanes. Now, don't you think there would be less traffic if all five of those lanes were available to everybody? But there's only three for the schmoes and two for the very way smaller amount of rich people who zip by. You see, you have two classes of citizens. If, if we just all shared all five – it wouldn't be as fast as is the fast lane, but it would be way better than the slow lane. Right. And nowhere is this more apparent than Global Entry and TSA Pre, which I actually, despite all this talk, bought. It's 100 bucks for five years. Dude, that thing is the best deal ever. You, just, you don't go through that stupid radiation detector thing, which I never go through. I always get the pat down. Secondly, you just cut ahead of everybody in the security line. You go right to the front. Third, you don't have to take your shoes or take your laptop out. It's great. You don't have to deal with that. Four, in, when you're going through customs on the way back – from Mexico, it was like I just cut the hole. There was, it would have been like an hour. I got to the front in like three minutes. It was it was just such a good deal. But again, you have to, it's a hundred bucks for five years, which doesn't sound like that much. But if you're like a poor person, that's a lot. You don't have a hundred extra bucks in the event that you're traveling, and it's just so crazy. Again, it's like two classes of people, um, and I don't think that's a good idea. I should have a, just develop a more efficient system for everybody. But to the extent that this exists, and I can't change it, it is the best. I know it I'm a hypocrite. Like you're part of the problem. It. Sounds like you're part of the I problem. I am part of the problem. This I, it's, it's just like it's so good, but um, but I do think you do not let these. I mean, that's a, sort of a different issue. But the private for profit. You know, I mean, this we'll get in the politics thing in a, in a minute. I'm going to relate back to this. Let's just move on for something else. 
just because uh, I, I can I can relate it to some other stuff that I actually have. One, in my one mind. thing, real quick. I don't know if this happened to you or you jumped ahead. I know you were running late because you're absent minded and you claim your alarm didn't go off. But when we were leaving labor in Phoenix, um, the first time this happened to me, they had a dog sniffer. And um, once I got past that, which was a second, I didn't have to take out my laptop or my shoes, or my belt or anything. That's the system they used. And that was a million times better. Not for you because you had weed on you, right? Well, no, I, I had disposed of that. Thankfully, yeah, that could have been a problem. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> that could have been a big problem for you. Um, no, I, you know, yeah, whatever. I mean, they'll figure out a system. I mean, th- the way the system is now is just sort of like, okay, there was a terrorist attack. It happens now and then. And so there's like legitimate alarm about that. But then the for-profit private contractors come with their hands out and say, hey, we can do this. And there's no real – I don't think there's real regard for, like, efficiency or, like, the optimal way to do it. It's just sort of like how do we give money to our friends who keep donating money to our campaigns and create this annoying thing for everybody and, as long as they get paid. And uh, it's why also, like, I, I don't think those radiation things, that thing that spins – yeah. I fly a lot now. I don't want to go through that. They're like, oh, it's safe. Trust me, it's safe. How, really? Why would you trust that? Like, who it's said it's safe? safe? It's who's, safe until the studies say it isn't. Right, and who it's, the hell's funding the studies? I mean, who, it's not. I'm not doing the study. I haven't seen the study. Who, who do you think pays for that study? Probably the same people who run that thing, and they just interpret the data to, as they see fit. You know, cigarette companies were like, "No, these are safe, dude. This is. It's not true that these are that our products unsafe. Whoever's making money off it's going to think it's safe." And you know, I feel bad for the people who work there. I'm always telling them, I'm getting the pat down. The guy's like, "Sir, blah blah blah. Please step aside." I'm like, you know, you shouldn't stand there all day. You know, the, uh, Thornberry would always say this. The dentist goes in the other room and they give you an x-ray. Right. right. <laughs> they, they put that, that thing on you, that, like, shield on you, that whatever that thing they put over. And then the, dude, the person goes in the next room. These guys are just standing there all day. And trust me, yeah. they get sick. And that shield they put on you, the dentist, by the way, is thick and heavy. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. That should say something. They're just standing right next to that machine, that gigantic machine, all day. So, and, yeah. and trust me, in 15 years when those people start getting cancer – They'll be like, we don't know. I mean, it could be that. Who knows? You know, they're not going to pay. And what good is it if they pay anyway? I mean, you're, you're screwed. All right. Um, I want to talk a couple more things sports-wise. I have Byron Buxton everywhere. I even picked him up in the main event uh, ahead of uh, his call-up. I just knew it was getting close because he was crushing it in the minors. Seven out of eight leagues. The one league I don't have him in, guess which league that is? Um, friends and family. No, I have him there. The keeper league, the only league in which he's valuable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said like if you were to say what league do you want to have Buxton in, it would be the keeper league. Yeah, and that's like a long term keeper league. Def- yeah, that's funny. That, that, yeah, he can still be good now. I'm thinking. He I think should he be will. Added. I actually think he will. But I mean, there's you know obviously way bigger risk. Yeah, I mean, what he had a 336 batting average in, in his AAA stand of 193 WRC plus. That's like elite stuff, and he can run. So I think I think he could. I think he's worth stashing pretty much in all even yearly leagues just to see if it finally translates. Yeah, not stashing, using. He's playing every day. I mean, get him in your right. lineup. Yeah, it's probably he's probably been picked up in any competitive league. Of course, league, right? but, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so it's amazing. The, the main event league, I mean, I need Buxton to come. I just need – all I need, I'll be fine in the main event league if I'm first in ERA, whip, and strikeouts, second to last in wins. So that's just really bad luck. That's um, really weird. Yeah, that's tough. And secondly – I'm way behind in batting average and runs. Like I'm just I'm not just last place in those categories, I'm way behind. So all I need, it's not a big thing, is Puig to do what he's supposed to do, Fielder to do what he's supposed to do, Brantley to come back healthy, do what he's supposed to do, Buxton to have a huge breakout, 
And I think if that happened, I'd be okay. Yeah, I wonder if Fielder's just done. It's weird. I mean, he looks like a total and utter disaster. I'd consider dropping him in a couple leagues. And normally I'm just patient with guys like that. But, man, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be okay. But, you know, it's two months. Give it, give it another two or three weeks if he's still doing this. I think Texas has to start thinking about Joey Gallo, right? Yeah. I mean, they have to – they should be thinking about Gallo anyway. And it was bizarre. They called him up for a minute and just sent him down. But I – Yeah, mean, I have – I have Ortiz pretty much everywhere, but the the most expensive NFBC league, you know, fifteen hundred dollar buy in. I agonized Fielder versus Ortiz at the time badly, and I took Fielder, and Ortiz nearly came all the way back, like twenty two picks, but I couldn't have gone with him anyway because there's only one DH spot there. And again, really one of the ones that stuck out with me afterward, agonizing which one. One's having the worst season of his career, if not the worst season period batting, and the other's been a top five fantasy hitters. So that's, that's been fun. Well, mine was the same thing in the main event. I was picking first. So I was on the turn and, and I was like, you know, looking ahead of who I wanted to get. And at the eight, nine turn, I was like, okay, I'll get Ortiz. Like that's the guy who'll fall to me. And Fielder, who I was thought about at the six, seven turn comes all the way back. And I'm like, wow, I was going to take Ortiz, but Fielder's here. And I took him. Like, yeah. if, if those idiots in my league had just taken Fielder where he's supposed right. to go, what idiots they were to let him fall all the way to me. Um, yeah. I was so excited. I got Brantley and Fielder at that turn. I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God. I thought both those guys would be long gone because Brantley was coming back, you know, early April, mid-April. And it's just been a total disaster. And, I, you know, it's just – it's one thing to have a, a one bust. It's like my whole team is a bust. My whole offense well, and, is a bust. And the fact that Ortiz is just so, so – he hasn't just been, like, better or even good. He's been, you know, amazing, This like, out of control. Best, he has the, the high – speaking of – WRC plus he leads baseball in that. Yeah. He's been a monster. And it's funny too, because, you know, I was picking up the two, three turn. I thought, well, if, if one of those hitters I like, and I ended up with Bautista, who's been okay, but nothing special mm-hmm. doesn't come back to me. I was like, Oh, well there's Upton or Carlos Gomez would be the reach pick. If I wanted to do that. And those are the other two guys who were terrible. Like everybody I was thinking about, and it was partly because of the side of the draft I was on. If I were at the end of the draft, I'd be looking at Mookie Betts and, George Springer and, and those guys at the back end of the draft, and maybe it would have been better. Although Kershaw at one one is obviously working out just fine. So it's it's just a it was just a, the way the chips fell. You know, there's just a lot of uh, the hitters that I was considering all along that that strip of the draft are, are all pretty much disasters, except Ortiz, who I could have had, but I unwisely chose Fielder. You know, the common theme is you know the village idiot can win your fantasy football league and. And I get that one injury for your first-round running back you know, matters a lot, and there are guys that you can pick up that you haven't heard of before the season, literally, who can become top-10 players. But maybe it's just a function of volume, and there's more, more, more to roster on baseball. But I don't know if it's like this every year where I'm just doing the recency effect, but recency bias. But it seems to me like baseball it, it, it is more, even more random than football. In terms of like what players go off and what players are busts, and you look back yes, at it and you're like, why? Why was this what happened? Why? Why was it this? Like, if you put your real mindset back to the beginning of the year, you know, what do what do you think the key to winning is? Like, like I had a great year last year, and this year I have some teams that are good and some that are not. I don't, I'm not going to say it's a bad year yet because I'm first place in one of the beat Chris list online. I'm first place in my home league. I, my friends and family team is pretty strong. I've got some horrible teams in labor and tout and. And that the main event team has got great pitching, horrible hitting. But do you think it's mo- a lot of luck which guys break out and which guys get hurt? 
what what is it? What is it? Is it the roster structure going heavy pitching? Is it just staying on it with moves, like being really aggressive with your fab early? Like, what is it? Like, what? Obviously, it's not luck in baseball, right? But there is a lot of randomness on, you know, what you thought before the season and what you think at this point. What is the key skill that that mitigates the randomness and makes baseball so skill based? Yeah, I, w- I wish I knew the answer because I I would have done things differently. But I'm um, going pitching heavy. Obviously, hasn't worked ideally for me. But there's been a lot of bus hitters and and hitters getting hurt. I mean, Hunter Pence just tearing his hamstring running down first base. Like really? I mean, I don't know. It's 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 frustrating. Um, I wish I had explanations for guys like CC Sabathia, whom I started. Uh, I I love to load up in DFS right-handers against him. He gave up so many homers the last two years, and he's throwing 88.5 miles per hour. And now he can't give up a homer, and he's utilizing a cutter and and just dominating. I mean, I I don't. Is there any explanation for this? Well, you know, he was. He's not. He's not drunk anymore. So that. Well, that's helps, true. You know, not that's hungover. True. Yeah, that was a surprise that he was able to. That he's. I mean, it's a short sample, but it's a surprise that he's been that good. Matt Cain, I picked him up. Didn't use him against the Cubs because thought it was a tough matchup. Then he was in cores. Now he's hurt. I had to drop him, but he was pitching better too. There's a lot of these guys that were left for dead. You know, Verlander, since the first bad week and a half, has been an ace. He's been a total ace um, this whole time. He obviously showed that down the stretch last year, too. It's, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, a lot of this stuff is, is hard to predict, right? I mean, it's, you know, Marco Estrada is pitching like an ace. Steven Wright, the knuckleballer, is pitching like an ace. Those guys are carrying my main event team. That's why the pitching is good. It's guys like Estrada and Steven Wright. I mean, who would have thought those guys would matter in a mixed league? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I mean, I think you just keep at it, basically. It may take a few seasons, but some years are going to have worse than others just out of your control. But but I don't know. It can, it, can be, it can be frustrating, and I really do feel like football is just – I know it's easier. That's not saying anything. But it's also, to me, become, in a way, less random. But you don't go heavy wide receivers. To me, the wide receivers are where – I mean, it's kind of easy to be competitive every year if you just take wide receivers. Now, everyone's going to do that. And well, I don't really avoid them. I mean, I, I never take a quarterback in the first eight rounds, and that leads to, you know, four wide receivers and three running backs or whatever, I mean, typically. so I, I, And I'm not against taking them in the first round these years. I, maybe I was stubborn three years ago, but running backs become kind of crazy. And, and re- you're right, receivers are – I mean, receivers may be the safest uh, position in among baseball and, fa- and football, right, fantasy-wise? Yeah, I still think the elite starting pitchers are pretty safe. I know, I know, there's been a bunch of slow starts, but I'm not even. I want to look at what Keuchel's doing right now, actually, because I have him going. Um, but you know, e- even though like Harvey, Harvey had a good outing. He's back up to throwing 96, 97 now. Price mm-hmm. has been better. I, I, I'm not even sure that a lot of these guys are going to be busts by the end of the year. I mean, there might be a handful that that fall apart. But yeah, it's, no, I. I, hey, that's been my strategy. You know that. Even I still think they're the, they're the right place to invest. But it's not so much because they're more reliable than hitters. It's because there's only nine of them in your lineup, and they just have such a disproportion. Yeah, Keiko's got to shut out through five, knock on wood. I want to jinx mm-hmm. it. But it's just because there's just they just take up a bigger portion of the stats than the hitters do. Well, yeah, and if you want to compete in saves, there's only seven of them, you know? I mean, they really factor right, into that's your That's right. There's only seven, one of seven slots for four categories which yeah. really gives them a disproportionate weight when they do well. And then when you have Kershaw, you know, it's just such a huge leg up. It's really um, – it's just such an advantage over any hitter by far. The, the hitter that's probably been doing the best, Altuve, was early on. But now Mookie Betts has 14 homers, 8 steals, 51 runs. You know, it's June 2nd right now. That's a lot of runs scored. 
Yeah, he's out of control. I believe he had five homers and seven at-bats the yeah. last two yeah. games. I mean, that's, yeah. Everyone thought it'd be walk a little more and not show this kind of power, but, man, he's, he's been awesome. Yep, and uh, I, I would, you know, it's, it's going to ebb and flow, but being in that park and in that lineup, he, the runs and ribbies are going to be there. He's going to, as a leadoff guy, get 100 ribbies. He's going to have 135, 140 runs scored. And when you add up a five-category contribution, sometimes people don't realize what 130, 140 runs is worth. Right. It's a huge, huge upgrade. Because think about it if, like, your elite guys get 90 to 105 runs and one guy's got 140, that means he took, like, two extra 70-run guys and turned them into elite-run guys, basically, right? So you have – it just changes everything. It just puts you – and think about at the end of the year, like the span of runs from like the eighth place guy to the first place or the second place guy, it's probably 25, 30 runs. If a guy, instead of getting 100, gets 140, you know, it's like having Billy Hamilton in steals. I mean, it's a huge, huge edge. No, yeah, batting average and runs, it's definitely most people would agree, but it's more of the underrated category. And, you know, you can pick up four RBI in one swing and you can only get one run and one at bat. So it's obviously tougher to accumulate the category too, but hitting in front of, Pedroia and Ortiz in a career here at age 41 or whatever, uh, that certainly helps as well. All right. I want, I want to talk a little football quickly and then right. uh, switch to the, the political stuff. So what are you doing with the guys like Thomas Rawls? Like I, I had him really high and we have him in the league of leagues. And the more I read about it, I just keep dropping him down. Like he may not play in any preseason games. I mean, how can you draft him ahead of even like DeMarco Murray now? See, I'm not really high on DeMarco Murray. Um, I, I just think he wasn't any good last year, and I know they're going to maybe run the ball. That's the goal, exotic smash mouth. But why can't Derrick Henry immediately be better than him? I don't know. I just thought he was really overworked two years ago. Maybe he'll be involved as a pass catcher, but they still have a cluster there on third downs. That's neither here nor there. Rawls is the guy that, I, yeah, that's very, he's very interesting to me. Um, I had a podcast last week with Yahoo's Andy Barons, and, and he said our rankings of him was very, you know, despair. I, I have him ninth on my among running back board, but I'm like, it's June. Uh, I, may, I could drop him 20 spots right now. I'm just kind of waiting for a bit more news, but everything that trickles out is bad. You're right. Like maybe he'll be ready for the start of the season. Best case, um, that's, you know, missing all the offseason work. They got um, Prosize Pro and, and Kristen Michael, and, and who knows? Obviously, there's not a huge track record with Rawls, so he's just a total wild card, and obviously I have him ranked too high now. I mean, his floor is just way too low. Uh, I mean, if you would ask me health-wise, I mean, I don't, it's weird, a broken ankle. I mean, one of the worst broken ankles in the history of the sport because it's not like he tore a bunch of knee ligaments or did his patella tendon or something or his Achilles. Um, I've just never heard of a broken ankle lasting this long, but – um, you know, a couple, if he had been healthy, I'd say he's worthy of a first-round pick as a lead back in that offense. But uh, given the question marks, I obviously need to really, really lower him in my rankings. Yeah, I dropped him, and I kept looking at the players, and I looked at Murray. Murray, here's the last three years of uh, receptions for Murray, uh, two of which he missed. So he missed three games over this span, 53, 57, 44. Last year he had 44. He had 44 for 322 in a touchdown last year. That really helps. Yes. And he did not have a good year on the ground. He only had 3.6 yards per carry after the huge workload. But, I mean, in 2012, he had 4.1 yards per carry. I mean, it's just backs fluctuate based on the situation. And it was kind of a disaster in Philly uh, with the quarterback situation being bad. And I don't know, man. I think they're going to give him a workload. They just signed him and paid for him. I think he's going to get 240, 250 carries and 45-plus catches. 
Yeah, I, no, I, I just if, don't. I don't know how you project. I mean, you got to give him. You got to regress him from three point six to four at least, right? I mean, you, you got to every. You know, you don't project a guy three point six to do three point six. You got to regress him positively toward the mean. Yeah, and what what if uh, Mariota breaks it out and starts running more? You know, that's right. usually helpful with yards per carry when their quarterback's a threat to run as well. I just see. Uh, I guess basically it comes. Down, I'm not even a huge college guy, and I know. That system produces better numbers, but I don't know. I just feel like they, they spent the high pick on Henry, and he could immediately be make make that a timeshare. But but maybe not. Like I, I get the, the the case for him, and there's so many question marks with all these running backs. I mean, Brian Matthews could be the lead guy in the in Philly, but he's always hurt. Who knows Jay Ajayi? I, I think Forte's getting drafted too high for my liking. Uh, Jeremy Langford could be the lead guy in Chicago, but he has terrible under the hood metrics. Um, who, LaShawn McCoy, can he stay healthy? Matt Jones, what did he average yards per carry last year? Uh, my guy, Carlos Hyde, love him, hate the situation. So, yeah, I mean, you can really, there are warts with, with, with so many running backs. Right, which is exactly why if you're not getting, you know, one of the David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley ones, just don't even go there. Like, just, just yeah, punt I, completely. I don't even trust Lamar Miller. I know we, we traded him, and it was, I would definitely undo that horrible trade I made if I could, especially because Stanton, too, has been horrible. That's not the other thing. Like, I went and got Stanton, and he hasn't done anything either. Like, it, those are the worst. Well, how are we doing in that league, by the way? Not, not too great, as you would, that wouldn't be surprised. We're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing in baseball, winning ERA, whip, and saves. But our and offense, our offense is, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a concern. Uh, at least Jonah's not winning, and he's down. Got, who, who's winning the league is up uh, by like has 124 points, but we are currently in ninth, so that that's going to be a problem. We got to get to fifth. Like you got to don't start giving up just thinking. Oh, I can blame List for this because he made these I'm, dumb trades. Don't do that. You got to still keep working. Don't check I, out. I am. I am. Don't and check I do out. I like like Stanton should hit a little better, right. and I I've been benching Fielder the last few weeks, and and again <sighs> normally I'm. He, he's Puig. been really bad. And Puig, yeah. I can't believe I traded for Puig. That's, that's the worst part of it. Well, the worst part about not just you gave up Lamar Miller, who I agree with you, he's no sure thing because he's never even been a, a full feature back, but he's going to be treated easily as a top 10 fantasy oh, yeah, back. I have, yeah. I have him pretty high. I just, what I'm saying is I'm right. not in the first round, I'm taking the AJ Greens, Des Bryants, any of those guys ahead of Lamar yeah, Miller. Yeah, no, I understand that. But what I'm getting at, too, is you last minute throw in in that deal, you threw in Marcelo Zuna. Right. I, well, I thought we weren't going to use him. He was like our seventh outfielder. I was like, yeah, we don't need him. It's an on, on base league. He doesn't walk much. I was like, we're, you know, it was just. Yeah, we're going down. I like how we went all in with Puig. He might as well. I mean, now he's even missing time with a hammy uh, problem. It's what, just been ugly. What a disaster. All right. I don't really have much. Yeah, what do you have roles currently? I'm, I'm curious. Where, where do you currently I have, have the 16th running back? Yeah. Okay. I'm right. behind McCoy ahead of Latavius yeah. Murray, who I just don't see the upside for. Um, I had him really high. I had him about as high as you did. I had him about ninth. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I can't blame you. I, I should, I should lower him. I bet I look way off compared to the industry because I think most people recognize that, boy, this is continual bad news in the entire off season. Right, and it, you're early enough that you can't just look at ceiling, right? This isn't like the seventh round where you're like, screw it, he could go crazy. You're talking right. about you know the second, third, fourth round. Yeah, you can't just be like, ah, who cares? You know, uh, you have to look at floor a little bit. Uh, absolutely, and there's obviously a concern, man. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, though, because Procise and Michael are, are kind of question marks too, and really going to not really feature backs type, so. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's well, a no, good I'm question. not worried about the competition so much. I'm just worried. Is he it's just really 100% is hell. Yeah. 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 Hopefully yeah. we know more in two months. Yep. 
All right, Are you going to be? I forget. You do not leave to move to Germany before the Vegas trip this year in the Stopa draft, right? Correct. I'll be there for the Stopa draft, and then about a week later, I'm leaving. Well, I need to get tickets. I don't know if I'm off that group email or what, but where's everyone staying? I need to look into getting tickets there. And Stopa and I are actually going to go to uh, UFC 200 the night before, and that's going to be another pricey ticket that that um, I'm going to have to to fetch for. But that's that's a sick UFC card. Mm-hmm. But um, where's everyone staying? Aria? We're staying at the Aria. Yes. Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. I got to look into that and get those tickets. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. One, one quick rant. So we're talking about how that stupid ass fast track was ripping me off. And it's this corporate government partnership, which really is sort of the bane of our existence as citizens of this country. It's not, you know, the Republicans are always like too much government and the Democrats are like, well, the real Democrats, not the phonies that are you know running the DNC too much corporate. You know, the, the Democrats don't like the corporate and business control of everything. Um, but really, I think what's happening is there's a coalition of people on the left and people who are the libertarian right that are saying, actually, the real problem is the is the public-private partnerships, is basically this cronyism where um, businesses donate to politicians who then, you know, give them these contracts, um, and and so basically they're ripping off society together. And then there's a revolving door, like someone's a quote public servant, and then they go end up you know working for the law firm um, that they hooked up with uh, some contract, and it's this very corrupt system that's totally legal by the way and i was talking about how you know they're, they're extorting this dollar from you and if you don't pay you know you have, it's a real hassle to track down but it goes so beyond that you know there's there's for-profit prisons which I'm pretty sure hillary took donations from for-profit prisons are basically like okay well we'll let you build the prison and, and run it and you know we'll pay you money per prisoner right so what do you think happens they're like we've got to get more prisoners in here they use their money to lobby for people to get elected who like who create policies that create more prisoners and so we have the most the highest prison population in the world you know it's like that's not a for-profit situation the justice system is not something that should be no the motive should be profit that's driving why laws are passed in certain ways that's a really really bad idea that would certainly appear so yes and then the medical stuff is exactly the same way right like our we, we have these health insurers that want to profit and Obamacare steering more people into those systems. I mean, those that's those are for-profit companies. There's a huge extra cost to administering healthcare to the citizens because you've got this huge profit center that needs to pull out all that money for the insurance, which collectively, you know, collectively insurance is always a bad deal, right? I mean, it's like insurance companies wouldn't be in business if they weren't taking in more than they're paying out right. collectively. Right. So like that layer is like just adding to our cost. And then moreover, because there's so many different insurance companies, they can't really effectively bargain with the drug companies the way a single payer system can in like other countries. So we pay like twice or three times as much for prescription drugs. It's like, it's all like part of this public private partnership corruption, even war. We actually have like mercenaries. We don't even like use the army. Sometimes we hire these like for profit mercenaries to go do stuff and they like massacre people. And stuff. I mean, that's like actually happened in Iraq. So, so where do we, I mean, what are your thoughts now on, on the, so, I mean, what so, is the, so what I'm saying is like the, the status quo, you know, the Hillary people and, 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 you know, Trump's not really the status quo, but the Republicans before him, they're all down with all this, this public private revolving door, Obama, same thing. You know, Eric Holder was the attorney general. Now he's working for this prominent defense firm. You know, th- this is all this, this is all the system that everyone hates. So people are like, well, if you. You know, if Bernie loses, then you better get behind Hillary because we don't want Trump. And I don't want Trump either, for sure. The guy's a total scumbag. I mean, look at those for-profit colleges, the scummiest thing ever. But these are the people that you're – it's not like there's Bernie and then he's – you know, Hillary's almost far enough but not quite as far. It's just categorically different. 
And I don't think like the, the people realize that, that it's not just, you know, Hillary's Bernie light. Hillary is not Bernie at all. Hillary's just a corporate, you know, this private public partnership that rips off the country and sends them and makes really bad decisions that has catastrophic implications for people's lives. So do you still have confidence or I mean, where's your percentage? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the bookmakers have it about 18 to one. Maybe it's going up to 15 to one for Bernie to win the nomination. Um, but I, I think it's higher than that. I don't know exactly what number I'd put on it. I wouldn't bet even money on Bernie right now. But I would if – if it weren't available at 18 to 1, would I take 5 to 1, 8 to 1? Yeah, I probably would. Uh, I think people are – yeah, we talked about this before. The Ryan Braun steroid suspension. Oh, that will never happen. Well, it did. Oh, right. she'll never get indicted. Why not? Why wouldn't she get indicted? And, and the, the thing I was reading is that you know, Obama really can't stop the indictment even if he wants to. He can't really stop it because the FBI is an independent thing, and if if they were to thwart that when there was real dirt on them, it would get leaked, and it would be a huge embarrassment to his legacy. So he really he can't just shuttle that. He can't just say no. You know, no matter what you find, she's not getting indicted. Right, I hear you. Yep, uh, Bernie was actually at Game Seven, and I I tried to find. Yeah, I tried to find him, but uh, I had to settle for a, a Barkley handshake. The whole TNT crew was right in my aisle, so. Barkley did give me a handshake. He was he was a good guy, but um, I uh, I wanted to find Bernie, but um, I couldn't. You couldn't get close to Bernie, dude. He's no, uh, could Got some Secret Service and stuff, and a, a character who looks like you would never get close. Right, of course, of course. Can you blame him? Yeah. And the last thing I want, I, no, I can't blame him. The last thing I want to float a conspiracy theory, um, which is that Hillary's cooked. I wrote this on Twitter. I I really think there's a good chance that something like this happens, which is that. I don't know if you saw the inspector general's report, but it was really damning. It was like, no, she never had permission. We talked about this last week, right? Right. right. She never had permission to use the server. Had she asked for it, which she did not, it would have been denied. That's bad. I mean, the whole time she was saying, I had permission. This is something that's allowed. It was just a flat lie. It's just false. And she's deleted a lot of the emails that they're still trying to recover. I mean, there's a lot of sketchy stuff. And, my opinion is if the inspector general is going to say that, the FBI is going to know that as, at a minimum, and they're going to look deeper. Her uh, lawyer friend uh, did not – she said as an attorney-client privilege, I can't testify about this. There's a lot of like sketchy stuff. I think she's cooked. Okay, I think there's a good chance she's cooked. But the, then the question would be, well, if she's cooked, like why haven't they just announced this already? Right? I mean why are they dragging it on, allowing this to drag on? It's really dangerous. And then two – if she's not cooked, if she's innocent, why haven't they cleared her yet, right? I mean, we're, we're getting to California. Like, isn't it time to just clear her? Why is this not over with, one way or the other? Does, does right. That, no, that, yeah, odd no, that is she... odd. Yeah, no, that's odd. So my conspiracy theory answer is she's cooked. They know it. But they're hoping she wins California and Bernie drops out. Because Bernie, if she wins California, I could see him conceding. Um, I, he won't concede if he wins California at all. But if she wins California, especially if he won it like 55-45, he might concede. Okay, so he's out. He's okay. done. Then a couple of weeks later, they drop the indictment, and they're like, okay, well, our candidate's dead, but we'll just get Biden to do it instead, who they'd be perfectly happy with because he represents all the status quo corporations. They they don't want Bernie to win. All these people, their their livelihood depends on someone who's going to keep the money flowing. If Bernie shows up, they may all be fired, all these people who are making these decisions. So, so, so my conspiracy theory is that the reason this hasn't come out is she's cooked, but they don't want to do it now that Bernie would be the nominee. They want to wait till he gets leaves, quits, and then appoint their own person.
That's interesting. I actually did see a headline um, suggesting that, yeah, there there might be a Democratic nominee that's not Hillary, but also not Bernie. So apparently that's kind of exactly what you're saying. I, di- I didn't see who it, whom it was, but it, it would be Biden is your guess? Biden, I think, would be the most likely choice because he's, you know, B- Obama's reasonably popular and Biden's his vice president and hasn't like done anything, you know, that's, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it because I haven't, you know, he's not even in the running. But I don't think that's going to fly with the Bernie supporters. Like, I think they think that will fly, no. and then, they'll, you know, they'll choose Elizabeth Warren or someone as the VP, and maybe it'll fly. But I'm not sure that will. Like, if they're the second place and it's very close, and they're second place despite the whole thing being set up for Clinton to win, meaning obviously if we're a level playing field, Bernie would destroy her. I mean, if everyone knew who he was early, if he had the same funding and backing and media support that she had, oh, it would be a landslide. He would have won 66-33. But – Knowing that, and then they just switch it on you after he leaves, I don't think that's going to fly. I think they think it's going to fly because they're not aware of the genuine support and the difference. But I, I, so I don't know. That's just, that's just a suspicion. I don't see how she can – they don't want her going to the general election. I, I think a lot of people want to be rid of her. It just, it's just, just so much baggage. It's so unnecessary. Why would you run somebody who's a terrible politician – Huge unfavorables, totally disliked by independents and Republicans, hated by Republicans, not even trusted by the own, her own base, and with a scandal hanging over her head. Why would you, why would, why would you even go there? The, the Republicans are nominating friggin' Donald Trump. They're nominating a clown, and you're just going to gift them a chance when, they're, when they, the Republicans were terrified. They're like, oh, my God, we're never going to win now. That's what they tried to stop Trump. And now the Democrats are like, oh, but instead of winning and taking everything, we'll, get, we'll put up Hillary Clinton. Like, how stupid is that? That would be crazy if they go that route. Uh, I don't know how that would that would the logistics behind that, but um, yeah. All right, I don't know, man. This should be interesting. I mean, we're gonna pretty much. I mean, we're finally down to it, right? I mean, June seventh. Yeah, you're gonna I mean, vote, it's... right? You're gonna show up. You're not gonna like get too baked and then like stay home and eat some popcorn instead. No, no, no. I'll, yeah, I'll vote. I'll vote. All right, good. All right, let's wrap this up. We got a good. We got a good fifty minutes in here. All right. Yeah, I'm good. All right. All right, dude. We'll talk next week. Yep. Go Dubs. Yep. Uh, this podcast, East Coast Offense, is brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. That's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today.